the girl. Hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morasky teeing off on one another. And Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Well, let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right back. Right, right. He's not that Ramson. He's just lost. Still Grimson. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Still Grimson. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Vinnie Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. Oh. He absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. A sheer stagger by a big left oh. hand by Wade Bielek. Chris Nyland on a penalty shot. Scores! Bugard down the wing. Bugard bombs away. Hello everybody and thank you for tuning in to episode number 33 of the 5 for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and of course this is the show where we focus on the players who drop the gloves and the fans who love to watch them do it. And today's guest is none other than Jason Rushton and I had a lot of fun with this one. Jason played in the course the mythical LNH and competed in the Battle of the Hockey Enforcers, that uh, black and blue competition, and uh, ended up going in, I think, the semifinals against Dean Mayrand and came up short, unfortunately, as Dean was the champ. Um, and if you haven't ever seen that, I recommend you go back and watch it. I believe Fourth Line Voice has it up on his page. Um, but yeah, lots of fun talk here. Uh, Jason fought some tough, tough customers, and of course he fought over in the uh, the EIHL for Belfast, so hopefully uh, hopefully some UK listeners out there get a kick out of some stories he had and guys he fought over in the EIHL, and um, he tells a very funny Link Gate story from when he was in the LNH, so uh, no, it's a good time and had a lot of fun recording with Jason, and I think uh, everybody's going to enjoy it, and uh, got a lot of great feedback on the Paxton Schulte episode. Um, a lot of people had wanted to kind of hear a story of the NICAR incident that happened and wanted to hear his side and how he felt about it, so they were uh, finally able to hear it, so I think it was received pretty well, and I know it jumped up in the charts a bit there in the UK, of course. It all depends on who you kind of have on as a guest with how far you go up in the charts, but uh, you know, I got a lot of love from the guys over in the UK, guys, gals, you know, Purple Dragons, whomever may be listening, whatever the case is, the burglar, the dog. Um, <laughs> um, but no, I, like I said, I got a lot of great feedback, and I uh, had a couple messages saying thanks for the interview. Uh, you know, people were fans over there in Belfast or Bracknell, so no, it was pretty cool to, you know, get a couple messages and, you know, be able to hear that people are actually listening and tuning in and uh give a shit you know like i always say it's it's cool to see kind of how far your reach is you never really know like i said i do this from my uh the guest bedroom in my apartment <laughs> so it's always wondering you know i always wonder how far everything kind of goes or how far the reach is and who actually tunes in so to know there's people listening out there appreciating it uh it's pretty cool so um but yeah so like i said great great feedback on the shulte episode and this russian episode will be quite a trip for you guys and I uh, got a couple other episodes in the bag here. I got, of course, Dougie Mann, who I recorded with, and that's going to be coming out after this one. So that should be out sometime next week. Um, Doug was a fighter out in the uh, SPHL and the CHL, I believe it was at the time. So uh, a lot of fun there, and he even played in the old um, 
uh, what was it, the Sunshine Hockey League as well. So, no, a lot of fun recording with him when he was actually inspiration funny. His name is Doug, but he was inspiration a little bit. According to hockey, or what, no, hockey is a movie, IMD, IMDB, is that how you say it? Whatever the movie thing is uh, that gives you info, but he was, uh, you know, I guess inspiration or it was after him was uh, deflecting a goal in the playoffs. Um, it didn't go off his ass, but we we, we dive into it and um, ends up scoring the game winner for his team in overtime. So, no, that was really cool. And, uh, you know, I got another episode with, uh, of course, NHLer uh, Chris McAllister coming out, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, Chris fought a lot of big dudes. Of course, Chris is a big dude himself, but he fought a lot of tough guys. And uh, we definitely go into, uh, go into some detail there about who he fought and, um, you know, the animals that were rolling around the league at the time, like Scott Parker and uh, guys like that. So, no, I got a couple a couple irons in the fire here to record as well. So you got at least got three weeks of content coming up for you guys. Uh, you know, hopefully four weeks. I got uh, interview fell through today, unfortunately. Uh, you know, I kind of slipped in mind on the schedule. It totally happens. Um, totally understand it as well. You know, happens to me. Happens to me all the time. <laughs> you know, I. Uh, I'll always play in these podcasts. Then I get with my uh, my receptionist, I guess we'll say <laughs> my manager, the fiance. And next thing you know, we got some party or something to go to, and I'll have to cancel on a guy. And I feel feel terrible when that happens. But um, no, I was supposed to get this out hopefully this morning, but uh, I was feeling pretty shitty yesterday. I think I just ate something bad and uh, just wasn't feeling good at all. So uh, no, I'm sorry. This uh, coming out a little bit later today. I was trying to get it. I always like to get it out in the mornings or really right the night before. So I guess it's the night before Wednesday, but. Um, no, I like to get it out on Tuesdays, but uh, anyways, we're here now, so making it happen, but yeah, so I got a couple irons in the fire here for guests, hopefully coming up to get some more content for you guys and keep the show rolling, and um, and to those out there who kind of reached out to me after the intro I had on the Pax and Shulte episode and kind of my explanation for why it was late and, uh, you know, stuff I'm kind of dealing with right now as far as weight loss and, you know, getting back into shape, and to those who messaged me and, um, sent the kind words, you know who you are and I, you know, it's, I appreciate it and, um, can't thank you enough for your support and it means a lot. It does. Uh, I don't really know how to put it into words. I'm not good with thank yous, I guess. <laughs> um, but no, other than that, uh, I think that's, that should probably about wrap it up. We'll get the usual suspects in here. Of course, I always recommend going to listen to their podcast, but I wouldn't leave your wallet unattended around these guys. Um, and that's Joe Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles and I'm, I didn't get to drive too much today at work, so unfortunately I didn't uh, didn't get to listen to too, too much of it. I think I'm only like 20 minutes into it maybe, but he just has an episode with – it's actually part one, so he's releasing a couple parts, either two parts or three parts with him. I can't remember, uh, but Aaron Asham, so that's going to be cool to listen to, and Asham was one of the, uh, I think, underrated middleweights of his era, so it's uh, pretty cool. Joe got him on, and he's uh, talking it up with Aaron Asham, and of course he's known for that infamous uh, celebration after the fight with Jay Beagle, you know, the go to sleep and uh, put your head on the pillow, <laughs> so... Um but no, that's awesome. So I can't wait to actually dive into that one and actually listen to it. Like I said, I, I'm sorry, Joe, didn't get to drive much at work today. That's where I like to do my podcast listening is on the uh, the long drives I have with work hauling material. So uh, no, I'll get to it, Joe, I promise. But yeah, those listening after this episode, go check that out. And then he just had fourth line voice releases from the vault episode, which was with Chris Waltz. So he also had Roman Vopat on right before that. And Vopat tells some great twister stories, some great fight stories. And Waltz was awesome. Uh, he told some great fight stories as well. So definitely recommend checking that one out. And actually, speaking of fourth line voice, he's doing the uh, was it the fourth? I think it's the fourth year he's doing it. The fourth annual Bob Probert Invitational on Twitter. 
And that's a lot of fun. And some of you might be listening and saying, what the hell is that? Well, uh, Fourth Line Voice put together four years ago. It was a uh, 60, not 24, sorry, 64 uh, man bracket of enforcers from all over the NHL, uh, all different eras. So it's all NHL guys. He's got a couple separate tournaments, which I'll talk to you about after this. But he goes into uh, into brackets with 64 guys and uh, from, like I said, all different eras of the NHL. So you have guys like uh, Scott Parker, Chris Nyland, uh, John Cordick, Jay Miller. Uh, I didn't even – that's just going off the top of my head. I'm not sure if they're in this year's because it changes every year. You try to throw some new guys in there. Um, I know some of the returning champs are back. So McGratton had won it before, I think, Bugard won another one. Um, can't quite remember, but and if you if if you're looking at the list and you see a guy that you uh, or excuse me, you don't see a guy that you were looking for, please don't complain about it. I mean, there's sixty, there's only sixty four slots, um, and don't ask where Probert is because for obvious reasons we all know Probert would win <laughs> the tournament, and that's why it is called the Bob Probert Invitational. It's funny every year it happens, and I see it and I feel for him. I'm like, oh fuck, there, and I don't know how you put up with it, bud, because every year. This poor guy just trying to get some get the enforcer stories out there and get some some discussion going about them. And then you get some jackass. Oh, where's John Scott? Where's Bob Probert? Oh, well, fuck. You know, he's kind of <laughs> there's 64 guys. And what do you want him to do? You know, like if you don't like it, go make your own tournament. <laughs> um, but no, he's also got a oh, what was it? The He's got the Power Forward Tournament. I can't remember quite what that one was. Is it the Lindros Tournament? I can't remember. But then he's got the Minor League Mayhem, and that's all about the Minor League Tough Guys, and that's the one I really enjoy. And unfortunately, I don't think that one gets as much uh, recognition or as much um, uh, traffic. That's the word I'm looking for. doesn't get as much traffic because people might not know, and that's got to be for the really big uh, fight nerds like myself and other guys and uh, for all you fight nerds that listen to the podcast, of course. But if you're not on Twitter, uh, I recommend going checking it out and you know giving it a vote it's a lot of fun it gives interaction and you know people always want to talk about austin matthews patrick kane stamkos martian whatever the case may be for just this week a week and a half however long it goes on get to talk about the enforcers on twitter and get their names out there and uh show some appreciation for the boys of course and that's what our podcasts are all about myself excuse me Holy shit, can't talk. Um, no, like myself, Joe, and uh, you know Darren over at Fourth Line Voice, getting the stories out for the boys and getting them some recognition. And you can do just that by going over to Twitter and checking that out. So um, I think I did a pretty good job plugging that one in. So Darren, if you're listening, my check will be, uh, I expect it in the mail. And you know, hopefully you give a nice little Fourth Line Voice stamp of approval on it. <laughs> but um, one last podcast I'll uh, mention is, of course, Bobby Longgrass over at the Bucket Drop podcast. And I was just recently, on with the top 10 Tampa Bay Lightning enforcers of all time. Um, I think I did a pretty good job on the list, and we go in detail about why I ranked each guy they, uh, where and um, what might have brought him up, what might have brought him down, and longevity of their careers in Tampa, so stuff like that. So you can go check that one out, and tomorrow he's actually releasing an episode with fourth line voice on the top 10 LNAH enforcers, so that's a good one. Um, I mean, it's like put them all on a dartboard and throw the dart and you could probably make a list just doing that with how many tough guys there are on that uh in that league of course um but no so it's a good time and uh yeah so definitely go check all those out and last but not least if you want to go check out the podcast uh, and follow it you can follow it on twitter at the number five and then four fighting pod and you can go over to instagram which instagram actually for some reason um 
some older videos I've posted have like resurfaced on Instagram and have been getting a lot of traffic somehow, like the old John Morasti uh, versus Bosse videos and uh, Morasti versus Terrio. So I don't know what's going on with the Instagram, but it's kind of cool to, to get a little bit more traffic to the uh, the page because Instagram has probably been the hardest one to grow, honestly. Um, not many people are on there, I think, looking for hockey fights. But nonetheless, uh, if you want to follow it or follow the account over at Instagram, it's just spelled out regularly. The It's just five for fighting pod. <clears throat> And, of course, on Facebook, the page, which you just go over, give it a like, you can give it a follow so you're up to date on all the news with it. It's just Five for Fighting Podcast, spelled out, just spaces and everything like you would normally. Uh, Five for Fighting Podcast, you'll find it. Like I said, give it a like. I just posted some Bosse and Tidball uh, fights tonight. Um, I think I posted both of their rounds that they had. So, um, no, it's getting getting some good traffic. And, um, you know, you can stay up to date on all those platforms. Every time I post an episode, it's I always... Posted at the same time on Twitter, Facebook, and of course Instagram. And while you're on Facebook, if you want to check out the group called Enforcer Appreciation, it is a group I created back in the day. It was probably over a year ago now, um, and it's exactly what it is. It's about appreciating the enforcers. Shocker, <laughs> reading and comprehension is hard, I guess. But um, no, so I post a lot of a lot of former former players are in there, and they always they'll be posting stuff, and I post you know hockey fights. Other guys post hockey fights or general discussions, like you know hypothetical matchups or who might have been the best at this or who was the best lefty stuff like that. Uh, just general discussion to get it out there and um, get the boys' names out there and uh, get everybody talking about it. So we got almost ten thousand or no, excuse me, almost eleven thousand members now. I know we have definitely have ten thousand. I think we might be around the ten seven mark. Um, as far as members go, so it's definitely gaining, gaining. Well, I wouldn't say gaining momentum. Actually, I take that back. I've actually slowed the momentum down on it, but that's because I wanted to weed out some of the uh, the jackasses we had, and um, you know, I don't want it to be like every other fucking fight group on Facebook where people are just motherfucking players, and you know, they think they know everything, but meanwhile, they're just shoving a bag of fucking Doritos down their face, but they're gonna call you know, Ty Domi a plug or whatever. Yeah, fuck off with that shit, buddy. Not in this group, <laughs> but um, no, so I think that's about it. Like I said, go uh, go check out those other podcasts. Uh, of course, give us Little Fish some recognition here. Um, you know, we all, you know, bust our asses here doing the podcast, and uh, we know we might not be the greatest at it, but I think we all get some great content out there, and uh, it's something different. You're not talking about the same current hockey over and over. You don't have to hear a thousand hockey podcasts talk about, you know, uh, fucking if the season's going to start or not. I don't think they should personally, but that's just me. But we ain't here to talk about that in power plays. We're here to talk about the fights and the nitty gritty for the boys that did that role. And so I think, uh, you know, we do a pretty good job at it over here at, you know, the Five for Fighting podcast, Fourth Line Voice, Coliseum Chronicles, William over at the Biscuit, and Bobby Longgrass over at the Bucket Drop. Yeah, try to say that 10 times fast. Um, <laughs> but no, like I said, so uh, last thing is do me a favor, rate and review the show. It really helps the show grow and kind of, you know, I guess gain popularity and get these boys stories out there. I mean, you know, do it. Don't do it just for, you know, my dumb ass talking all the time. That's not what the show's about. Uh, do it for the boys and get their stories out there and let them be heard. Uh, the most underappreciated role in sports. So, uh, just get their stories out there. Leave a review. It doesn't have to be a long review. You could just say, Hey, I like the show or Hey, hate the show, whatever the case may be. Um, Give it however many stars you think, whether it's one, five, fucking 47, whatever it is. Um, but no, just like I said, rate and review the show. It helps the podcast grow a bit and um, we'll help get the boys' stories out there some more. So anyways, guys, uh, I've gone on long enough here. 
We are here for Jason Rushton. So take a journey through his career, going through the LNH, the EIHL, even the WPHL, and of course, Battle of the Hockey Enforcers, the black and blue competition. So without further ado, here is Jason Rushton. Thanks, guys. This should be good. This should be very good. All right. Today's guest on the Five for Fighting podcast, we have a man who managed to rack up 3,551 career penalty minutes. He was playing in a bunch of different tough leagues to include the LNH, the Western Pro League, the CHL, and even played a little bit overseas. He was a competitor in the Black and Blue Battle of the Hockey Enforcers competition, and that is one Mr. Jason Rushton. Jason, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on as a guest. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and share some stories here. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get the old memory rolling and hear some great fight stories from you, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Uh, well, I guess we'll start from the beginning, man. So you were born in Victoria, uh, you know, and I ask this every time because I'm always curious. Um, you, did you start off pretty much skating since as long as you can remember? Did you kind of a late bloomer? How did it kind of go for you, man? Uh, it's, I started off skating. I was, I was young, probably four or five. Uh, I grew up in Port McNeil. Um, and I, I lived there until I was 16 and, and, uh, kind of needed a little bit more competition. Um, so I moved to Victoria when I was 16, played major midget there. And, uh, after that kind of the junior kind of career took off. Um, and then shortly after the four years of junior, uh, went pro. Well, there you go. Easy enough, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny looking at your junior stats here. You, yeah. The you know the first year when you were with Vernon, um, you know it was you had fourteen games and thirty seven penalty minutes. But then the next year, with the Ghost Riders, you had thirty five games and one hundred ninety two penalty minutes. Was there something that kind of went off to make you maybe like I don't know want to stand out or something where you you kind of wanted to start fighting more, or did it, you just kind of always have it in you? Uh, I, I think it was more kind of a way to, um, put myself out on a different scale. Right. Uh, you know, just, just bring it, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I just, just a different way to get noticed. You know, um, I was a pretty good hockey player as, as far as goal scoring goes. And, and, uh, I was pretty talented that way. And it just, it just something clicked where, I was a pretty, I was pretty good at taking care of myself and um, kind of developed into more of a, a tough guy role later on in my career. But at the beginning of my career, uh, yeah, I was, you know, if I scored 45 goals in a couple of years in a row and um, 350 penalty minutes. So I was kind of all over the place, but um, fighting kind of took a, I took a step up towards the end of it, man, when uh, the last few years of my career, for sure. Yeah, for sure, man. And it's it's yeah. funny because, like, looking at your, your stats over there with Nelson at the Maple Leafs, fuck, man, you were getting it done. You had 118 points with 351 penalty minutes. I mean, there, you did you did it all there, eh? Dude, it was crazy. I had the fastest 50 goals in, in junior A hockey history. I had 50 goals in 32 games. I ended up with, like, 54 and whatever. And, uh, yeah, it, that, Nelson was a great year. I had great teammates, great line mates to play with. Uh, got, I, I brought a lot of attention on myself as far as the play goes. Uh, Pat McGill, who Bob McGill's brother played for the Chicago Blackhawks for a long time. He was a coach in Creston and, uh, it, it just, you know, it's a small world, the hockey world. And, you know, one thing led to another. And when we got eliminated in the first round of playoffs, I was off to the IHL 
two days later, straight out of junior A hockey. So it was pretty crazy, man. Yeah, getting thrown right to the Wolves. Well, I mean, guys, literally with the Chicago Wolves. <laughs> literally, um, yeah, 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 literally, yeah. You're looking sure. at it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, how was that experience for you, man? How'd you like the eye? Uh, as a, I was pretty immature at that at that time. Um, I, I was so overwhelmed coming from from where I played and going right to Chicago, big city, the IHL. Um, it was a what a wonderful experience I had there. Um, I was given every opportunity to make the team next year, but, you know, my mindset wasn't at that stage where I had to commit. I kind of, you know, thought I took things for granted a little too much. Um, but you learn from them and you move on, man. Absolutely. And, um, so you, you end up actually in the sunshine league and you know how you only played a couple games there, uh, but how'd you, how'd you enjoy your time? Cause you were down in West Palm. What was that like playing in there? I've, I've talked to a couple guys and the way I've kind of heard it is either, you know, really good or the team and the management, the way it's handled is just super shitty. So it's like kind of double-edged sword, I guess, going down there. Yeah. I, I, we started play, I started off in Wichita and we got eliminated from the playoffs um, really, really early or, or I can't remember what happened. Uh, but we were out of the playoff race, and we decided to head down to West Palm Beach to, to finish up the season because, hey, who, who doesn't love Florida, especially West Palm, right? Um, spring break, we went down there, had a great time. Uh, the hockey wasn't the best, and, yeah, the, it was it was a different experience for sure. I think owners and, and that kind of were, were winging it. They were short on money. Um, but again, eh, what a great experience. It, it's something that'll, that'll always last. I, I went down with a buddy of mine, uh, Art Saran, um, who, who passed away a couple years ago. He was 40 years old. He died of Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, so that's, it's a memory that I'll always have with him, um, that we got to experience together. And, and, uh, that's, what's great about the world that we live in, man. Yeah, for sure. And you, you had a couple tough teammates on there, but one one guy I want to ask you about, and you know, I know you yeah. only played about eight games there, but you had old, uh, and he, of course, he'd go on to the LNH later with you was old Pat Allard. What was it like playing with him? Oh, Patrick, uh, he wasn't in West Palm Beach, actually, when I was there. Oh, okay. Um, I think he, yeah, he was, because uh, I came in towards the end, and, and I wasn't sure if um, he might have been gone already and moved on to a different organization or something like that. But yeah, we ended up meeting in uh, Saint Jean's Sur Richelieu uh, for the mission in Sorel, and uh, we never we never talked about those days. But uh, fantastic teammate, uh, would do anything for you, go to battle for you. So it was great. Right, and you know, so the next year, you know, you're with with Wichita, and another guy I got to ask you about, and he put up 407 penalty minutes was Brian Wells. You know, how was it playing with him? Wellesie was an absolute fucking maniac. That's how. He, well, the stories of Brian Wells will probably live on forever. Um, and it's funny he ended up coaching the next year against me, and uh, yeah, there, there there were moments in, in that Wellesie and I uh, we had some good times together. Let me tell you that. And some of the stories, I, I don't even, I can't even go back. But um, yeah, crazy. He 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 was a great human being but he had a short temper let me tell you that well it showed it with 407 penalty minutes you know he yeah. was he was yeah. really getting after it. it and to be honest i think he played like it was like 30 something games he had that like he he was on pace to to break the the record of penalty minutes in a season in minor pro hockey at one point 
No shit. Yeah, he said so. It's got yeah. him down here as forty-five games played, but that's still fucking unreal to oh. even think about. Just four hundred and seven penalty minutes in that short amount of time. Insane. It's unbelievable. Yeah, totally. Um, well, you know, before moving on to Tulsa here, you know, I got to ask yep. you, and I've had a couple guys who've played in this league and, uh, some yep. people know what I'm talking about, but it's the RHI you played with Oakland. How was it? How was it out there in the roller hockey international league? You know, was it a good time? I've heard mixed, mixed reviews on it. It's, I can only speak for myself. Uh, I had a great time. Uh, it was, I only played one year and it was after our, my Tulsa year, I went down there and played, um, a lot of my teammates, from the Tulsa team also went down. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I got to, we got to visit great cities, um, you know, Anaheim and LA. Uh, we came up to Vancouver. We played, um, we didn't make it out to Philadelphia or New Jersey or any of those, but up and down the coast, right. Sacramento was in there as well. And, you know, again, I'm very blessed to have been able to be part of that. And just to see the world like that, man, it's awesome. Absolutely, and yeah, it's the RHI. It's funny because they at one point they still. I think at first they didn't allow fighting, and then later on they did. Uh, and I know a couple guys have gone on there and mixed it up a bit, but that's awesome. Uh, you know, well, you well talking to Tulsa or talking about Tulsa there. You had a teammate who's an absolute legend, and of course his fight you know, with round one and two Kobe. with Probert. Yeah, you know, you know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about, old Craig Cox. What was it like well, with him Cox. in the locker room, man? Man. He's a legend. He always will be. Uh, he was. He was awesome. Awesome. Uh, very humble human being. Um, you know, and for someone to that kind of status and where he came from, right? Those are two of the fights that nobody will ever forget talking about, right? Um, great human being. Again, awesome player to play with. Always had your back. He knew that, and it was kind of nice going into those kind of games when he knew you had Coxie on your side, right? Uh, but yeah, um, Coxie, some of the stories of Coxie smoking in between the period breaks and, <laughs> you know, just old school and, and lighting up the darts in, in the room and, and, uh, and amazing enough, he, he was, he was really, really skilled. Um, he, he brought a lot to our team that year for sure. Oh, absolutely. I want to say he was like third in points that year for you guys. Yeah, he was third, third uh, in points for yeah, you. Yeah, I think it was Dougie, Luke, uh, Coxie. And Colin Boston and then myself or something like that. Yes, it was. Look at that. Wow, good memory, man. Fucking hey, you got your hockey DB pulled yeah, up. Yeah. Or you just you just shooting that off the the old, the old dome there. <laughs> oh yeah, just off the old dome. I'm walking outside. I just got off of work, so uh, yeah. No, I I can remember those things pretty good actually. There you go. Look at and that. You're like again, it's memory. It's memories you just don't forget. You know. Exactly, and uh, well, it's funny that year. You know, you were what fifth in points there, and you also managed to rack up fucking <laughs> 341 penalty minutes. So. You know, at, at that point in your career, you kind of realize and you, you've almost found kind of your niche um, as far as you could, you know, mix it up if you have to. But you also put up points because, I mean, like I said, you had 66 with 341 penalty minutes. Yeah. Well, I, you know, that was a breakout year for me. Um, again, remember when I said earlier, it was just something that there's there's so many hockey players out there. And you have to do something in order to get noticed and to, to make you stand out in order for people to want you. And George McPhee, who was the GM of Vancouver, uh, he was great friends with our coach, Gary Younger. And, you know, it's one thing led to another. And I was up in Syracuse after we got eliminated in playoffs. Did really well in Syracuse, you know, three goals in three games, a couple of tilts. And uh, was in Vancouver's camp the next year, man. 
What was it like in Vancouver's camp, man? Did you uh, drop the mitts with anybody? I did. I actually gave it to Martin Jelena. Oh, there you go. And he, yeah, he. I, I think something happened. Went in the corner and uh, elbow. I don't know who it was, um, but Jelena stepped in, and we ended up going around. Bashir was there, and and uh, nobody nobody really wanted to kind of mess with him at that point in his career. No. Especially myself, as a youngster, right? Uh, Paul Ferrone actually tried to drop the gloves with him. I'm sure you know Paul Ferrone. Yeah, we just uh, mentioned him with uh, Paxton Schulte last night. Oh, yeah, Schulte, yeah, because uh, Ferrone was up in uh, Newcastle, right? So, uh, yeah, Ferrone's a really tough kid, and he dropped, tried to drop the gloves with him, and Brash just skated away, right? He's like, get away, kid. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, go pound stand, you know? kid. Yeah, um. yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so a guy I got to ask you about in your second year of Tulsa, and of course you'd meet him later on in the LNH, but of course was old Badge, uh, Mike Bajerni. What was it like playing with yeah. him, man? Badger, uh, probably one of the best teammates I ever had. Uh, and it's funny because we were just young kids back then, right? We were in Tulsa and that, but when we, we started to mature a little bit and we met up in the LNH, it's it's like, you, you know, the, the brotherhood of hockey is, you don't see a guy for 10 years and you run into him. It's like you just saw him yesterday. You know what I mean? And it, uh, it was awesome. I love playing with, love playing with those guys and would do it all over again if I could. Absolutely, man. And yeah, I've, every time I ask about the journey, everybody just fucking loves the dude. Yeah. They say he's just an awesome oh. stand up dude. hundred percent. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. I was like the, every once in a while I'll go back and I'll watch the less chiefs documentary. And of course I'm sure you've seen it as well, but, um, it's always fun to watch that, man. I love that old old little documentary. For those out there listening, if you've never seen it, go look it up. It's about the Laval Chiefs. I forget. I think it's 01, I think is what the year it follows. Um, but, yeah. yeah, it's basically a documentary about the Laval Chiefs, and it's fucking awesome. Um, so, you know, you ended up, though, in the Western Pro League. And how did that kind of happen? Because you made the switch over from the CHL to the Western Pro League, and I've heard that league was an absolute gong show at times as well. Uh it wasn't so bad. It, it started off with my coach in Tulsa, Gary Unger, went to New Mexico the year after. In, uh, I think it was 96 or 97. He left to go to New Mexico, and he tried to recruit me. And I ended up staying in Tulsa because at the time I had a girlfriend there and, um, you know, just felt comfortable, right? Roots and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then money came and became involved. I was offered a pretty good contract down in El Paso. Uh, they just come off, I believe, back-to-back championships. Uh, Todd Gross was a great coach, Canadian Junior National. Um, and I, you know, it was just another way to experience um, a different league in, in a different environment and try to test myself. But uh, yeah, it, it was great. We we had some, we had a pretty tough team. Uh, then I ended up in New Mexico for the Scorpions after that, and yeah, we we were we were dynamite, man. And it was yeah, we had some tough guys in there, and we we tried to control the tempo quite a bit. For sure. And before New Mexico, you ended up with Arkansas. And what a tough team this is that you had. Um, and, of course, you have former podcast guest. I just recorded, I think it was last week in his episode. I'm actually dropping it later on tonight. Um, yeah. But you had some tough, tough motherfuckers on this team. You had, you know, NHL tough guy Darren Kimball, old screwy St. Louis, and that's who I had on. You had Frank Littlejohn and Marty Melnichuk. Did you guys even yep. play hockey? Ryan Pellerin. Oh, yeah. Yep. Him, too. Pelly was there because uh, I, I knew Pelly from Chicago. We played in Chicago together, right? Uh, yeah, we we were we were scary tough, especially with Kimby and Chucker, right? Uh, those guys just bring those they put fear in other people's eyes, right? 
Um, great team. Um, we, I forget what, I don't know what happened. We lost in the first round of playoffs, but, uh, yeah, it, it was another wonderful experience, man. For sure. And you know, how was Marty in the locker room? And was he just, you know, like how <laughs> tough was that motherfucker? Uh, I fought Marty a few times when he was in Wichita and to this day, I still, he still knows I beat him. Um, but he got a little bit tougher later on down in his career and he, he, he's an animal, man. He, I bet you, I would put him up there with some of the toughest guys that I know and just, um, you know, up with Morasti and Mayran, Segroy, um, Chuck, Chucker's right up there with the best of them, but you know, and like all of us, he was one of the best teammates I've ever had too. He would do anything for you. Um, great team guy. Always brought so brought life into the locker room and and, uh, and a sense of comfort knowing that he was always there to have your back as well. Yeah, for sure. You know, he didn't he didn't earn the name Meat Grinder from playing patty cake. We'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> no, he did not. And of course, I got to ask you about him before we leave. Uh, we leave Arkansas there, but uh, old Screwy St. Louis. How was it playing with him? I believe that was his rookie season. Was eight ninety eight ninety nine. Or no, I think that was his I, second season, I believe, actually. Yeah, I don't know where, where Scurry was before that. Uh, again, hilarious. Great guy. Um, didn't give two shits on who he went after and went to battle with. He'd come out with blood all over him at any time and have a smile on his face. <laughs> you know, but he, he was definitely an entertainer. The fans loved him. And, uh, yeah, he was great to have on our team. Yeah, for sure. There's a picture out there of him, and he's like skating off the ice, and the fans are just like just super pumped around him. And that was the funny thing about him. He'll he'll say it too. He's like, you know, win lose, I don't care. I'm coming out smiling. And you gotta be, you well screw, you gotta be have a screw loose in the head. So you know his reputation or uh, reputation perceives him, of course. But uh, yeah, fucking screw, he's an absolute beauty. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so you ended up in San, uh, San Angelo with the outlaws after that, well, after yeah. New Mexico, you know, and you played 11 games there. So how was that, man? Yeah. Uh, it was, it was okay. Um, you know, again, chasing the money, right. And unfortunately, again, I played with great guys there. Um, that was, uh, it didn't work out. I think I went San Angelo. I got traded to New Mexico. Uh, I believe from from San Angelo. So you know, at the end of the day, uh, it was a much better environment for me in New Mexico. Um, we had a great team. We lost in the finals, I think, in six games to Shreveport, who had an unbelievable team that year as well. Um, but yeah, again, just something else to chalk it up to is a good experience. For sure, and I, I, I got to ask you about in San Angelo, and I know he listens to the pod and follows the account. Was uh, Chris Waltz? Yeah. What was it like playing with him? Waltzy, he was a tough fucker, you know. Uh, I I kind of lost track of where he ended up or, or what he's doing now, but, oh, yeah, he was like a little bulldog, you know. Um, Kevin McKinnon was one of my best friends, and uh, he, he, was, he made that experience so much better because he was a captain. He'd been there for four or five years, I think, in San Angelo. And, uh, yeah, well, Waltzy was tough as nails, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, you know, skipping ahead a little bit, you actually ended up overseas. And so how did, you know, you went from the Western Pro League to the West Coast League yep. and then yep. uh, C- back to the CHL and then overseas. How did that kind of happen, man? Yeah. Did you, and, you know, did you enjoy playing over there? Well, I guess you did because you went back for Bracknell and Belfast uh, later on. But, yeah. you know, what was that experience like at first over there? Uh, it was different at first because I went to uh, 
uh, we, it was after 2001 when, when 9-11 and all that happened. So they were, uh, you know, the States was in such an uproar. Um, and I had signed back to go to Tulsa with, with Gary and this had come about and we, uh, my, my wife at the time wasn't able to make it down. So we were looking, we were sourcing out other options and, and Europe came about and man, I, I loved it over there. I, 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 I could live in Belfast in a heartbeat. That was, that was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, as far as just the compassion that the people had, the organization, I'm sure you heard it from Paxton as well. Um, yeah, it was great. Um, you know, unfortunately some of the, you know, in Scotland, when we went to Scotland, they, we went bankrupt, you know, you hear that all the time. Our teams get in financial trouble. So we, um, you know, look for other options while we're there. And there was always, there was always availability for us, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, you know, here we are, we're at the meat and potatoes now here and I finally got your fight card. So you're not getting out of this one too easy here. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but you end up in the mythical Quebec League, and of course, I've done an act- I've actually done a special on these. Uh, it was a two-part special on the LNH, and I had uh, old Renard, Lambert, and Swanson on for uh, the old player guest. Um, oh, but, yeah. know, how did you end up in the Quebec League, and what was your initial thought? Did you you know go out for your first game and just think like, what the fuck is going on here? Did you have any idea what you were getting yourself into at all? Zero. Fuck all. I had no clue. Uh, <laughs> They, again, it, it was, um, I don't know how I ended up there, but some Wayne Jerry from Sherbrooke, uh, ended up with my number and called me and, uh, you know, offered great money to come out there. And, you know, I'd never been out East and going to Montreal and all that. I was like, Oh, sure. Why not? Right. Uh, practice two times a week and play a couple of games. No problem. And when you get there, Holy shit. Uh, it was, it was an eye opener. It didn't get too crazy the first couple of years, but uh, or the first year, I should say, but, you know, uh, three, four, and five were absolute bonkers, man. Like, I mean, you can't, it, unless you experience it, it, it's so hard to for people to realize how crazy it fucking was. Right, and so everybody who play, or um, excuse me, anybody I interview who's played in that league, yeah. like you, really, you just had to fucking be there to see it. And I'm so mad. I wish I was born because I was born in '96. So I wish I was born yeah. like ah oh, fuck ten years earlier, so I could have gone up and seen this whole you know circus that was going on up there. And of course, I love the league because it's like it's the only league to ever go completely overboard like that with just loading up like seven or eight guys on a team. Um, oh. But, you know, the first big team that you land on, of course, you had Sherbrooke, but the next year you yeah. end up on Sorrell Tracy with yeah. the mission. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah. And you had John Morasti, Dean yeah. Mayrand, fucking, yeah. you had uh, Brad Lambert. How was it, man? Uh, crazy. Uh, again, like, we, we, it, was, it was so surreal because we were so tough, and then we thought we were tough, and then we go into Quebec City with, you know, Hamilton and, and – uh, and Blue Ann and uh, Dubé was there and um, a couple other guys I can't just read, you know, but it's like six or seven legit heavyweights on every team. You go into Laval and they got Pat Cote and Bosse and Matthew Rabbi and, and, and the list goes on there too. And it's like, where the fuck did these guys come from? You know, and uh, fans love it. You know, we, we used to go through in the locker room, we used to go through the lineup prior to the game and you got him tonight you got hey do you want to go him you know what i mean and it's like and we we do this every game it's it's mind-blowing how how crazy that was but again it's entertainment right 
the fans absolutely fucking love it. Oh, those fucking Quebec fans are just crazy, man. They're just love. Yeah. They ate that shit up. Um, yeah, I was, I was, like I said, I always wish I was born like 10 years earlier so I could have gone to seed in its prime because, of course, the LNH now is nowhere near compared to, you know, the time when you played because, I mean, you played pretty much arguably in its peak pretty much from, you know, we, 04 100%, to 04. 100%, 100% we did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think, like, oh, probably from 04, well, it would have been because I went back to Europe um, for for a bit, but it was, like, from 03 to 08, it was nuts, and um, boy, did, but, but it was it was it wears on your mind. Let me tell you that trying to knowing that you have to go into Laval with all these guys and going into Saint Jean and going into uh, Verdun, you know, and when they had Varhog and Clarkey and uh, and God knows who else, right? But um, yeah, man, it, it's it's an experience that will never live down. Yeah, for sure. And you know, on Sorel there, you had uh, you had John Morasti, and I think that was kind of, he was still super young at the time coming into that team. You know, what was it like playing well, alongside old Johnny? You know, it's funny because uh, I didn't, we didn't, I didn't know too much of Johnny at the time. Um, he had come from Bakersfield, I think, but he came in with a with a pretty big name and a, and a good reputation. And uh, again, one of the best teammates I've I've had, man. He's. Uh, and, and what an absolute warrior. Uh, I would probably put him up there as uh, – he, he has to be pound for pound, probably one of the toughest out there that's ever strapped him up for sure. Oh, got to be, hands down. And, uh, you know, a guy I got to ask you about too from that team was old Brad One Punch Lambert. With his, like, when, you, when you saw him fighting and you see that weird fucking huh. stance where he's got that right hand cocked back like three states away. And that fucking bomb is coming, man. Oh, is it ever? Yeah. he's. Uh, I actually spoke with Lambo a couple days ago. He's over in Calgary. So when I do get over to these little places, I, I we, we still connect and talk and uh, – Lambo, Lambo was just, I think he was coming out of juniors too. So he was fresh as a daisy, right? And he came in there and he did not care. He fought, uh, he fought Serge Roberge. Uh, I think one game when he, when one of Lambo's first games and we were like, dude, you know, Serge has been around, you know, are you okay? You know, a wily old veteran, right? That's, that's got a pretty good reputation himself. Lambo fucking smashed him. I think he broke his orbital bone and, and, uh, and Serge was never the same after that, and Lambo's career took right off, man. It was unbelievable to watch. Fantastic. <laughs> Great guy. Absolutely. And, of course, I had him on the podcast yeah. and the special, and he was told some awesome stories there. And, uh, uh, you know, before putting the, your, your, I guess, you know, playing career on hold for a second, uh, I got to ask you about Dean Mayrand. And, of course, we'll, we'll mention him here in a little bit again. Yeah. Uh, but what was it like playing with Dino? Dino's great. Yeah. Uh, Dino and I got along very well. We had a lot in common. Our daughters are the same age, and uh, Dino Dino is is a huge human being and such, with such a kind heart. And uh, it's funny because you don't see it on the ice because when he snaps and he gets going, he's he, they call him the machine for a reason, right? And uh, but yeah, he he was great, man. Loved him. Were you were you there for that that brawl where it was uh, them versus uh, Tetford Mines? Were you there? Were you there for that one? No, I wasn't actually. I think that might have been the year before. No, I was. I was playing in. I was in Saint George de Beauce at the time. Oh, but you know uh, the brawl I'm talking about. Oh fuck yeah, that's <laughs> a seven minute brawl, man. 
Uh, I think Craig Brunel slashed one of their guys, and then Rennie went at it, and Mayrand, and then Corey Holland was there. Um, it, I, I felt bad for those Tetford guys, man, because that was there was no way that they were going to ever come out of that. No, not okay. at all. They they it, lost no, the second it, they stepped on the ice. <laughs> absolutely, and and you know that's that was the whole part of that that LNAH is that it mind fucks you because you go in and, and you know you don't have a chance. They're just going to beat the piss out of you, right? Oh yeah, well, you, what do you see? You know, Renard and Mayran step over the boards and you know line up against you. You know they're not there to you know yeah. win the face off. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to win something else. Exactly but... <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You didn't see Dino with his stick in his hands too often, but when he does, it, it was it was a joy to watch for sure. <laughs> for sure, man. Um, and you know the yeah. reason the reason putting the timeline and on the career on hold here is because you yeah. were actually a competitor in the Battle of the Hockey Enforcers, the black and blue competition. How did that kind of come about, and how you, how'd you get into that? And for people out there wondering what the fuck I'm talking about, there was literally, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Goon 2, where there's a fight competition that, was, that wasn't made up. I mean, well, in the sense that it was like a 4v4 brawl, yeah, that was made up. But the 1v1, that was that was a real thing. It actually happened. It was out in there in, um, you know, out there in Prince Canada. George. Yep, Prince George, that's what it was. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it was a competition. It was literally... 2v2, there was no hockey game. It was like a cage match, and you were a competitor in it. You know, how was it? How'd you how'd you get involved in that, I guess? Uh, what happened there? Well, I think the, the circle of, you know, the, again, the whole small hockey world, we had heard that this was going to be going on, and it was scheduled to take place in Winnipeg at first, um, and they couldn't get sanctioned or something like that. And a lot of the guys came from the LNH, and I was asked and, and to uh, if I wanted to participate in it. And it was it was close to my hometown, right, or in Nelson, anyways, in BC. And uh, I fucking jumped all over it. It, it was it was crazy. Uh, it was fun at the same time, but boy, did I feel it the next day. Oh, for sure, because it's it's like you well you made it to the semifinals, and the last fight you had was of course against fucking Dean Mayrand. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Right, he, he knows I had him too. He, I had him. I had him the first. Oh, you two uh, had a, you two had a fucking war on that one. That was probably one of the best fights in that competition. Yeah, and 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 his fucking helmet kept coming off, and so and then so we re squared off the second time, and I knew I knew I know I was kind of ahead a little bit, and I know Dino had a great job. And he fucking, when we squared off again, he broke my nose um, right away with the jab. And from that moment on, it, we then we, we kind of re-squared off again. And he got into my head um, with that jab again. And, and just just the sheer size of him, too. But uh, for $65,000, I would have done it differently now and tried to go a little bit more crazier because he took home <laughs> sixty five that night. Oh yes, he sure did. Damn it, Dino! And I know, I know, Dean listens to the podcast too. So um, yeah, 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 yeah. bastard. Took oh, he, it. Hey, hey, Dino, you know I still got you on that one. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be getting a private message from me right here after the podcast. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> um, sure. But you know, with the competition, they they had you guys wear like these MMA gloves. You know, did that hinder your ability to fight at all, as far as grabbing a hold of guys or you know being able to throw a punch? Or did you actually like having the oh. gloves on because it protected your hands a bit? Uh, probably a little bit of both. Uh, they, they, you know, it was pretty good because it's all fingers, anyways, right? And so, I, I think it was more sanctioned that way because it wouldn't be a bare knuckle boxing kind of competition. It was right. more along the line. So that was kind of a way to get it sanctioned, uh, but definitely saved the hands for sure. Um, 
you know, I, I didn't want to feel too many Adino's knuckles coming across my forehead <laughs> with, with with no gloves on. But uh, yeah, no, it, it didn't bother me whatsoever. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, I got to ask you about him because, of course. You know, absolute legend in the not just the enforcer world, but the hockey world. And he was in the missing competition. Link? Oh, the missing link! You knew it was coming. What did you have any interactions with Link at all? Uh, well, we played together. He was in Sorel, right? Um, he died. The missing link. I don't even know where to start with him. Boy, I have a story. I, I tell you, I was at at the time. I was. Uh, I had some BC Bud, so I brought some BC Bud back here. Everyone likes a little weed once in a while. Oh, of course. And uh, I introduced that to, to the missing link and said, yeah, I got a little bit. He fucking showed up at my house like at like 10 o'clock in the morning and just demanding that we give him some. And he came in. I said, Link, I said, no, I'm not, I, I can't do that, man. And he went outside. He hopped in his truck and rammed my car, pushed it forward about two. 20 feet. Uh, no, I said it's not 20 feet. About two or three feet. And uh, got out and he's like, Rushy! What was that? You know? And it was, I looked down at my wife and I'm like, this guy's fucking crazy. You know? And uh, I, I don't even know if you remember, to be honest with you. But, you know, minus minus that side of him, like when he when the wires touched and he lost it, he was a great guy. You know? It just, you know, it, there was something something happened you know with the car accident when he was in san jose and just something triggered and uh but yeah yeah man i have nothing bad to say about him whatsoever just crazy <laughs> shit nothing like a little you know? little, little it, fender it, bender from like the right missing of, link <laughs> right out of a movie man right out of a movie oh my god they need to make like like there was a question on on like twitter like oh dude do you want to make a documentary about this like the last dance like with michael Jordan? i said fucking link gates right away yeah. there needs to be a fucking 30 part saga on that man because the stories that would come out i'm sure are just they they sound ridiculous and they it's like, gotta be like the tiger king where they sound like made up and ridiculous but it's not it's fucking link gates you know these are fucking absolute true stories. Like some of the stories that he had in juniors that I, I can't get into because I don't have any, you know, complete validity on any of those. But you know, he if he had his if he if, if his career was going in the way that he, he would have been one of the toughest guys ever to play the game, hands down. He was that tough. Oh, for sure. And yeah, you can, for those listening, you could check out his uh, his fight. I believe it was he fought Steve Reed in the first round, and Steve Reed gave him a concussion in that uh, enforcer competition. But uh, it was funny. Yeah. Dean, Dean had mentioned on the Fourth Line Voice podcast. Of course, it's my buddy Darren, yeah. uh, my my, yeah. my my fucking ride or die over there, the OG Enforcer podcast. But Dean said he um, Link asked him, or like Lincoln gave him like a quick pointer, real quick before the final round against Segroy, and like oh, because, yeah. because Dean won. <laughs> Link was like, yeah. I, I'll take like a portion of your earnings there. And so I guess Dean, <laughs> Dean gave him like a hundred dollar bill and just like, fuck off, man. <laughs> Did he really? I never heard that. I'm going to ask him about that. Oh, I wouldn't, yeah. you know what? Would not put it by me for sure. No. I wouldn't put it by him. No, not yeah. at all. It's just, and like, if people ask like, <laughs> why, like the only answer you can give them is it's Link Gates. It's, it's the only answer you can give them, man. <laughs> you, you just don't want to say no to him. Right. That's it. There you go, Link. Here's a hundred. See you later. Beat it. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Well, you know, after after the Battle of the Hockey Enforcers, you know, you're back in the LNH and you're with Tetford. You know, was it a big load for you to carry out there and for Tetford Mines because they didn't have very many tough guys really? Um, 
and they were always kind of known as like I guess the weaker team of the LNH. But it was pretty much that year it was you, Jason Clark, and uh, Curtis Tidbull, which you know yes. that's tough enough in 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 a normal league that would be ridiculously <laughs> amount of amount of toughness. But we're talking about the LNH here, where yep, that's yep. like not shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Benoit Bosley was there as well. Um, but yeah, Tepford never really had that reputation of having a, uh, a really, really tough team. But boy, did they have an organization that always competed and they won many championships. You know, they, they felt they probably had a different mindset of, of other teams and um, they felt, you know, two or three guys is good enough and we'll beat them on the score sheet, which most of the time we did, man. Yeah, for sure. I think we lost. Yeah, we lost in the finals to Sherbrooke that year. Uh, Sherbrooke had Roger Maxwell and, and Steve Reed, and they had, you know, uh, Louis. Louis was there as well. Louis Bedard, um, Simon Robida, he was there. So they they had a very tough team as well. Absolutely, and you know, finally here we're we're with your fight. I got your fight card pulled up now, so we could actually ask about some yeah. guys you've gone toe to toe with. And of course, the first guy that pops up that we just talked about, but you fought Morasti. How was it? You know, you went from being teammates with him to now you're you're slugging it out with him. How was it fighting Johnny? Uh, some that had to be done. Um, always up for the challenge, but uh, yeah, it was like, hey man, what's up? You know, and we were like, hey, you, you know, you want to go? And ah, sure, why not? And uh, it was it was it was a way to say that uh, you know I, I went to battle with one of the toughest guys that's ever played the game. Yeah, you know, and the, you know, the notch in your day, belt. You know, like, like like Dino, Dino and I ended up fighting three or four times after the Gladiators, and he'd be the first person I'd ever go I'd go for a beer with. You know, um, that's just that's just the culture of the hockey world. Absolutely, and of course, you know, at the end of the day, they're out at the LNH. Um, you know, yeah, there's bad blood on the ice, but I mean, afterwards, it seems like everybody just wanted to go out and drink their, get their Molson in, and just yeah. relax after that, after the gong shows. Yeah, I don't know if I relax is a good term to use, but uh, you definitely have a good time. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Well, the other stories that come out of that too, yeah, that's <laughs> getting a little wired after that, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we we probably don't need to go there when all these young listeners. Young listeners, my demographic is like guys who are like forty and shit, man. It's actually like the people who listen oh. to it most. There's no young listeners here at all. Oh yeah, oh fuck yeah. There, there were times we'd go out and then the Hell's Angels were were a big part of the organization. They used to oh, pay yeah. us, and then we, we, we used to go to the fucking bars one night. And one of the head guys came out and said, "Boys, you guys, it's time for you guys to leave because we're gonna fuck this place up." And we all looked at each other. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, really? You know? And it's like. Those are, those are things the average human being does not experience, and it's it's crazy. Lambo got shot three times. Yeah, or he no, did. It might even more than that. Three, like maybe five times or something. I don't even know. You know, like that's crazy. Oh yeah. For sure. No. Well, I mean, yep. was, I've heard like you know it was like owners or fans would just supply like the steroids and shit too, man. It was just insane. Hundred percent. We yeah we did we did roids all the time. They the drugs they supplied when we go on team parties and it, it, it was completely mind blowing, man. Um, I don't, I don't know about the whole steroid things as far as them supplying it, but you know, it was pretty easy to access if we needed to. And, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy times. Man. <laughs> did you ever, did you ever take any at all? Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I used to for about, I had to. Oh yeah, dude, for sure. I don't hold anything. Like, well, people always oh, you did steroids. Oh, fuck it, dude. Everybody's doing that shit. Who give? Who gives a fuck? Go ahead and do it, man. 
you know, it's your choice. You want to do it. Happy days. I believe there's, you know, if it's done properly and it's, it's, uh, you know, monitored by doctors, it can be very beneficial. The way that I did it wasn't so beneficial as far <laughs> as, you know, doctor related stuff, but my, all my blood work and everything's pretty damn good these days, but Oh fuck yeah. You had to do it just for even for the mindset, you know, just to, it, it gave you that edge that you didn't really care. Right. If you were any piece of sound mind, it, it would be, it'd be tough to do on a daily basis. Absolutely, and yeah, fucking a. Uh, it was <laughs> running rampant around there. There was a lot of the uh, the chicken and whey protein diet was uh, very popular yeah. out there. <laughs> oh yes, it was. <laughs> I always laugh when guys are like, "Oh, but they did steroids." I'm like, motherfucker, you don't think people in the NHL did steroids either? Come on now, give me a break. Um, There's not the ones that got caught. Exactly, uh, and, so, and and we didn't we didn't care. You know, it, it was. Oh no! Everybody knew. Well, when Pat Cote yeah. goes from like two twenty in the NHL to two seventy five, just fucking shredded diesel yeah. on the bench for Laval. Well, yeah, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, he he was another he was another gigantic human being for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, a guy you fought this year too was uh, Derek Parker, and of course, you didn't fight him in the Battle of the Hockey Enforcers, but you fought him on uh, yeah. in the LNH. You know, how was it fighting Parker? Parker was tough. Uh, he came in uh, really, really cocky. I, I wouldn't say cocky, cocky, but confident in himself. Um, you know, and, and when it first started off up in Prince George, you know, he fought Dino, gave Dino a hell of a fight. At first, we thought that Dino probably uh, lost that fight. Dino somehow pulled it off and ended up winning it all. Um, but yeah, he did awesome for himself, man. He went to the LNH the next year and. You know, I don't know how many, 45 fights um, and really made a name for himself. So super happy. And he had a bad couple of bad concussions towards the end that kind of set him, set him back. But he, he was a tough cookie, man. Absolutely. And, you know, another guy that reminds me of him, or I should say Derek Parker, um, you know, reminds me of uh, Curtis Swanson, but they both came in pretty young and they just took yeah. on fucking everybody. And you actually fought Swanee. And of course, I had Swanee on for, I think it was part one of the LNH special. Uh, but what was yeah. it like fighting Swanee, man? There's fucking cowboy long hair just fucking flowing everywhere. How was it fighting Swanee? Swanee was good. He he was young coming in and didn't give two shits. He, he wasn't the best of skaters, so, but he had really good balance. Um, and again, I never played with him on the team, but he would fight anyone. And, and it's, it's so nice to know that you have, you have that. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah, man, he, 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 he put in his battles and, and he did his, did his time very well. For sure, and yeah, I'm a huge Swanee fan. He, uh, for those yeah. listening, he just had an episode with Fourth Line Voice where they go in-depth over his entire career, as I just covered the big points of the LNH. You can go listen to that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, another guy, you were another, another former teammate here, well, actually two former teammates, but you fought Mike Bajerni. You know, how was it fighting Badge after playing with him? Did, was it kind of weird, or you kind of knew business was business at that point? Business is business, man, opposite team. It's funny, because you, you could be a teammate of the guy one day, get traded the next, and you're battling them. You know, and it's like, uh, I, I think there is an unwritten rule with some guys that they're really close, they won't fight each other. But, you know, like, like Dino and I were, but it was just part of the job. It's just what you do. And, and Badge knew that uh, we had to go out. I fought him, I think it, it was in playoffs. He was in Three Rivers, and I was in St. George, I, I believe, or somewhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I gave it to Badge pretty good on that one, actually. 
There you go. So at so, this point, so there you go, badge. Yeah, <laughs> maybe bad. I don't know. Majority listens. That'd be pretty cool if we did. It's oh, funny. I'm actually surprised yeah. at more guys that I talk to, and they'll say like they listen to the show, which is that's always fucking. It's always pretty cool to me. But um, I was yeah. gonna ask, man. So at this point with the LNH, you know, the whole the whole like thing is like kind of like almost a, a sideshow. Like there's the big uh, like show and everything like that. Are you are you kind of really embracing it? And you're like, you know, this is pretty fucking cool. You know, granted, yeah, it might suck that you have to go out and fight Morasty. Or May Rand and shit like that, but are you kind of embracing it and you know, like putting on a show for the fans? Like, fuck yeah, let's get it. Hundred percent, man. And, and I had I had a hard time after I retired from hockey um, because to replace that biochemical high that you get from that, because um, your identity is tied to all that kind of stuff, man. There's no way to replace that feeling that you get of ten thousand fans in Quebec City. Um, or wherever, even in Oklahoma City when I played in, in the CHL, and, and to stand at center ice and everyone's just fucking loving it. Um, man, it, yeah, it, it was awesome. At times intimidating um, because, you know, you always want to put a good show on for the, for the fans, right? And, uh, but, uh, man, yeah, it was awesome. For sure. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I got to feel like you – have like that train horn permanently engraved in your fucking brain with how often they played that shit out there in the, uh, the Quebec league, man. Yeah, for absolutely. Yeah. 100% man. <laughs> um, well, the last guy you fought for Tetford was, uh, of course another teammate, yeah. but was, uh, Curtis yeah. Tidbull. You know, how was it fighting him? And he's another dude, you know, I, I was just talking about this and I always forget yeah. how long he played in the LNH, but he played there for a long fucking time. But what was oh, it like yeah, actually to going toe to toe with him? Uh, it was great. Uh, at, you know, I, I, I thought Curtis, I think he was, he was a little young in his career, fresh out of the UHL, I believe. And he came in and, um, but, uh, yeah, again, Curtis was somebody that would always go to battle no matter what. And towards the end of his career, man, he had some unbelievable tilts. Uh, him and I had, had some great ones and I got the upper hand on him a few times, but you know, towards the end, uh, yeah, man, he, 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 he worked hard and he got a lot better at his craft. Absolutely. And, um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you too, so I, I actually, I collected Forrester jerseys and I actually have one of your pro lab jerseys. Um, I, I'm like a rock. I always wear a, a, a jersey when I do a podcast, and I'm wearing your yellow yeah. prolab jersey. And I gotta ask: so you actually you shortened the sleeves and you shortened the bottom hem on it. What made you kind of do that? What advantage did that give you when you were fighting? Uh, you know what? I think the team did that themselves. Uh, I didn't request that. Trust me. Um, but uh, I think just more, more, uh, more, more room in the arms, right? For for everything. Uh, jersey comes off a little bit. Oops, the tie down broke. It's off a little bit quicker, right? Uh, I was never a big fan of bigger sleeves because your hands get tied up a little bit more right into your arms. And it's, uh, I used to prefer the tighter jerseys myself. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I, I saw that actually and it was like, holy fuck. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it. Right, and yeah, it's a, it's like a trick into the trade. Everybody has their own thing, and of course, you know, it's different with every other jersey that you see. Um, but you know, so the next year, well, you played in Bracknell for a little bit with the bees, but then you end up on it's, it's still probably to this day my favorite logo in hockey of all time. But the old Quebec Radio X, what was it like playing for them, man? Uh, another again, it was. I think they had just won the championship the year after. Uh, 
the year after I got there. So, and we were playing in the Coliseum. Uh, so playing in front of 10 or 15,000 fans, man, um, was pretty damn exciting. And he's a great organization. Quebec City is, is probably one of the best cities that I've lived in. Um, even when I played for Tetford, we always stayed in, uh, I lived in Quebec City. Um, but it was awesome. Uh, just another wonderful experience. Yeah, and a guy I got to ask you about on there, and of course, you know, I'm not. I, I've heard it was pretty much like strip club bouncer turned hockey fighter was a old Jacques Dubé. What was it like playing with him, man? Fucking Dubes, great guy, fantastic. You know what? It, it, he would sit on the bench. He would get the tap on the shoulder twice. He'd probably get about twenty seconds of ice time, and when he'd stand up, that whole fucking crowd in Quebec City would start chanting his name, and it was amazing because he could barely skate. You know, he, but he had incredible balance. He had like, yeah, he had incredible balance for some reason for, for someone who never really, I, I don't think played organized hockey that much. Um, but yeah, tough as nails again. And again, he had a great career for himself. Oh yeah. Just wide open fighter, yeah. just toe to toe every time. Uh, well, the oh, first yeah, I mean, name that... he had a couple good ones. Oh yeah. And the first name that sticks out on this fight card from this year is, uh, you know, he's, he, fuck, he's even playing that. Well, I guess this year, but the season got canceled, but, uh, you know, Sean McMorrow, and I know some people don't like his fighting style and this and that, but what was it yeah. like fighting the sheriff? Ah, shit. He, I, I had trouble with him, man. I don't know what it was. Um, yeah, he, he, he was a smart fighter. He, he didn't go too wide open, but uh, he, he fought to win, and, and um, you know, he, he beat me, uh, I think, probably, I wouldn't say he beat me, but got the better hand, uh, probably four of the five times that we fight, but the last time we did fight, I got the better of him, so you always leave on a good note, right? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, and the next guy that comes out on this list, uh, you know, we just mentioned him earlier being like a fucking bodybuilder, but uh, you fought him, and he was known to be like one of the meanest in the league was Pat Cote. How was it fighting him? Yes. Uh, scary at first. I did my best to survive. Um, I had to fight him smart. It kind of happened in a line brawl, and we just ended up together, and, uh, and away we go. But... Uh, just again, a huge human being. I wouldn't, uh, you know, and, and with with a big name too, right? So, um, but hey, I did okay. I'm still here. Yeah, I was about to say you live to tell about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, and it, yeah. Another guy that you fought, um, yeah. and he his career ended unfortunately, and he was trying to actually come back this year, but he never ended. It never ended up happening. I don't think, uh, but. You know, he, he got shot as well, but was Danny Lassard. God, everybody's getting shot in the fucking Quebec League. Um, ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Danny yeah. Lassard, man. Yeah, Danny and I battled quite a few times because we were similar size, similar stature, right? A couple of lefties. Uh, tough as nail, and, and I'm glad to see that he's, he's doing well and successful today after, you know, fuck. Nobody likes getting shot. I don't even know how many times he got shot. Yeah, I have. Uh, I forget how many, but I know uh, he was in like that. It was uh, a lot. Yeah, there was a do- there was a documentary was done, and I feel fuck. It was done like oh, I don't know six years too late in the L and H, but it was done in like 2014 or 2015, and it was from like yep. Vice Sports on the toughest league, and it was the L and H, and they cover it, and you see Danik, and they're doing like physical therapy because he just wants to hit 500 fights. Like Jesus oh, yeah. Christ! Like you got shot and you're doing physical therapy because you want to come back so you can get your 500 fights. That's like in fucking insane to think about. Yeah, he, he probably that that's probably a good goal for a lot of people to have, right? It's something that you know definitely different, and not too many people can say that they did. 
For sure. A lot of fights now. Oh, God, it is. Um, well, the next guy you fought, but I actually have a side question for you because, I, you know, every time I'm doing an interview, I like to ask, you know, fans, uh, do you have any questions? And this one comes from Francois, and I know he listens to the podcast uh, you know, a good amount. And this is a guy you fought, but you you also played alongside him, and he wants to know more so what it was like playing uh, alongside of him. But it was Mark andre Waugh because he had that crazy reputation coming out of junior from the queue with his crazy amount of penalty minutes. So what was it like playing alongside him? Uh, it was different. Um, yeah, Wazzy, uh, he, he came out he signed a big contract with Vancouver, um, this and that, but, uh, I never really, you know, when we play there, right. Some people live in different cities. We just meet to play games. Right. Um, never really got a chance to know him that well. Um, great guy, good teammate to have. Um, but I, I knocked him out. So we'll call it, call it there. <laughs> well, there you go. I've heard very mixed things about him uh, as far as, like, some of the stuff he'd pull in L&H. Um, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, so the next year, just a couple guys here I want to ask you about that you fought. And uh, you played down there in Danbury for quite a while and made a name for himself. But you fought Brad Wingfeld. What was it like fighting him, man? Winger was as tough as another one, as tough as they come, man. Um I didn't do too well in the fight that we had because I was banged up, no excuse. But uh, yeah, he's tough. He was tough. He had a he had a very very good reputation. Yeah, for sure. And the next guy, which he jumped right into the fucking deep end because he uh, came out of juniors and went straight to the LNH. And I think he fought Morasti for his very first fight. But uh, Ryan Hand, how was it fighting him, man? For because he was playing for I think St. Hyacinth at the time. Uh, he was. He was in yes, St. Hyacinth for sure. Uh, I can't remember actually battling with him too often i think maybe once or twice but, uh, different place some kids uh willing to willing to legal and eager to learn and uh he definitely had a good career for himself as well absolutely okay man um well, you know, wrapping it up almost here with almost pretty much your last year playing in the LNH before you head overseas again, uh, you ended up going over to St. John with the Chiefs. And what a team yeah. you guys had here. I mean, the amount of toughness. You had Brandon Sugden, yourself, fucking, you, know, you name Bosse. it. Steve Bosse, Pat Allard, everybody, man. You even had Francois LaRue uh, on there, NHLer, who was yeah, on the fucking team. And Matt, Matt Rabby. How was it playing on that yeah. fucking team, man? Uh, pretty, pretty empowering. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you, you, it was, fuck, that was, that was, that was great. Just to know that you got, again, just going to war with those guys, man. It, it's, it's crazy. And, and they're, they're all such wonderful human beings, but still we're animals to at heart. Right. So, um, again, just, it, it, was, it was a great place to play. For sure. And you know, the fuck man, those St. John teams were just tough as all nails. Um, oh, uh, you know, and one last guy I'll ask you about that you fought uh, in the LNH was old Louis Bedard. What was it like fighting him, man? Louis and I still talk to this day. We we message back and forth. I fought Louis. I bet you ten times. Um, and he, I, I have so much respect for him and, and him for me because we we always battled hard, and but we always knew the job that we had to do and. Um, yeah, man, I have a lot of respect for that man. Absolutely, we have some great battles. You know, how was Boss? Well, real quick, I just got to ask, how was Boss? Because of course, he went on to have the crazy MMA career and uh, you know have a couple fights in you in the UFC. You know, how was it playing alongside Boss? Uh, 
pretty nice knowing you had that kind of that <laughs> tough of a human being. Well, did you get, did you get to <laughs> see the Morasti Bosse saga wars that were going on at that time? Dude, like it, it's crazy because Morasti has fought the the best of the best and has never been handled like that. Like getting knocked out by Boss, like I think four of the six times that they fought is fucking just goes to show you how hard that guy hits, right? Oh, he's got to hit like a fucking Mack truck, especially to take down Morasti. And that's really, you know, besides from like the off TKO that might happen uh, in like when he was in the AHL, that's the only time I've ever really seen Morasti like out cold or, you know, pretty much like uh, seeing stars. 100%. Like there, there were times where, you, you know, there I, there was one fight that happened in, uh, I think it was in St. Jean that, that Mayrand and them, you know, they called guys because he couldn't make it off the ice. You know, as much as you try to get up, you never, you, I've never been knocked out like that. And, and I'm thankful for that. Um, but to try and get up because nobody likes getting knocked out like that, especially someone as tough as Johnny boy. Um, just goes to show you, man. Crazy, crazy power. He had in that right hand. Yeah. just fuck boss. They just had so much goddamn power. Well, of course and he made it, <laughs> made it even better with the, uh, the old UFC, uh, debut. And, uh, actually had one of like the old most memorable fights in UFC history. I remember I don't I don't watch UFC, but when I heard ah. Bosse was coming ah. up, I was like, oh fuck, I know that name. And I, that was like the one fight oh, yeah, I went yeah, out of my yeah. way to watch. Um, it was awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I felt bad from the first fight because it didn't end so well uh, yeah. against Tiago Satos. Um, but boy, did he have some fucking battles after that, man? And and good on him. It just goes to show you, you put in the put in all that hard work, and it definitely pays off. Oh, my favorite thing is that apparently they were showing like his fight, like his LNH fights on like the big screen while he was doing like his walkout and shit. <laughs> oh, I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Oh yeah, awesome. I, you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it for sure. Oh god, because yeah. That's how, that's how, that's how everybody can relate to him, right? There's no other, there's no other fight history behind him. Oh, well, for sure. And then, well, of course, out there in Quebec, man, they just love their fights. They they love, like, uh, jo- George St. Pierre and shit like that. So it's just like, yeah. you know, Boston, they were all behind him. It was awesome. Uh, Crazy. But, you know, we'll wrap it up here. You end up in the EIHL, which, of course, is over there yeah. in, uh, you know, the U.K. with Belfast. You know, how was yeah. it, you know, playing over there again? Because this is your, your, well, this is your last time going over there. And how did you enjoy your time in Belfast? I loved it. Um Sean McMorrow came in after me um, and took well, over. What a but treat when I was, they had. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny because I got a call from uh, from the guy from from Steve Thornton sometime in, uh, I think it was early December, and I went over in January. And uh, I was brought over for a reason. And I think the, fucking, the first night there, uh, I fought Jeremy Cornish. Uh, had a fucking amazing fight with him. When I don't know. It was a minute and a half, and I'd just gotten in the night before. Uh, fought him the next night after that, and then we had the battle with Newcastle. And Andre Payet, Chris McAllister, and Payet again in the first game in Belfast. And uh, fuck, what a good feeling that was, man. Um, and then we had the return trip to, uh, to Newcastle the following week, and they had posters out as, they were they were promoting it as the circuses in town, you know the giants the giants in the circus, and uh, it was great, man. Because it's a, again a different atmosphere. Those those British fans are pretty passionate, um, and in in a different way, right? They all it, it's great, it's great. But uh, no, I had it was one of the best moments I had, man, over there. 
Yeah, I love I love that fight you had with Cornish, and you're sitting there, and the linesmen are about to jump in, and you look over at both of them, and you're like, "No, fuck off! Like, fuck off! I'm doing this. Yeah. <laughs> get out of here! I'm not done yet, man." Exactly. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, another another tough customer and big human being as well. Oh yeah, Cornish is an absolute fucking beauty. Um, yeah, like, huge Jeremy Cornish fan. There's like a, I think there's a compilation on YouTube you can look up uh, for those listening, and I think it's like a 20 minute Jeremy Cornish video of just him just fucking going toe to toe with people. Um, well, fucking hey, there you have it, man. Uh, easy as that. There's your whole career wrapped up in a little bit of a nutshell here within an hour. Awesome, man, Alex. Thank you. That it was uh, awesome talking to you, man. Thank you very much for inviting me on as well. Well, I appreciate you coming on and taking the time to uh, bullshit. Give us some LNH uh, stories. I'm always, I always love LNH stories. I could fucking listen to that anything from that league for fucking days. Um, but no, man, I appreciate for you sure. for coming on. Yeah, thank you again, man. And uh, for sure, have a good one, man. You gotta.